0: Well, you know what time it is. It's Auto Catch-Up, another week where we talk about the latest in automotive news across Australia and around the world, as well as we, tab- we dabble into a little bit of motorsport as well. Um, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review either. If you want to write into the show, you can always uh, send us an email or send us You know, send us a message via uh, social media. Um, But if you want to send us an email, shows at dailyautofix.com. But to talk through all of the news this week, I've got Joel Strickland here with me at Joel Strick
1: Photo. Welcome again this week, Joel. You're uh, back into lockdown, it seems. Yes, unfortunately, we are, Ash. Uh, That all changed (laughs) as of uh, midnight on Friday night, Um, we've had a a small uh, outbreak um, from hotel quarantine, so yeah, they put us back into lockdown until uh, until Wednesday night. At this stage, so uh, we're all hoping that um, uh, that yes, that uh, it uh, it's uh, sort of um, the yeah, we haven't had the spread like we like we've seen, and um, and we've you know basically they've got on top of it, and we can uh, move forward and return back to normal.
0: Yeah. It's always this ping pong uh, thing, but hopefully, it's another way to help you and uh, you know and the state sort of navigate another hopefully uh, you know and avoid another um, big outbreak that we had in the past. So
1: worse than what it's been, unfortunately. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I think it's uh, you must stay within five kilometers of your home. Is that right?
1: And you can only leave for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Only leave for you know central reasons, uh, food. You can go out for two hours of exercise a day, Um, but I made sure to get in a a nice long bike ride on Friday before we went Mm -hmm. back into lockdown, so that, um, yeah, uh, I've done that for hopefully only a week, and then we'll uh, be back to to normal, but um, yeah, I think uh, it might be car washing day the next couple of days at home (laughs) to catch up on those, because can't really Mm -hmm. do much else, unfortunately, at the moment, because... All my plans for next week have uh, literally gone all out the window because everything's been cancelled or shut down or mm. moved to another state, unfortunately. So, yeah. Well, I think it, I guess the
0: uh, road trips are going to have to go on hold as well. Yeah. Um, so just we'll finished, have to. Uh,
1: just finished assisting on a big shoot last week, and we we're away all week. Um, uh, just out of town and so we we're kind of glad that um, we got through that and that was all finished to get home for uh, for the announcement so at least that's uh, knocked off but I did have another one planned next week I was supposed to be helping on but yeah that's now been changed and uh, yeah there's a few other things that um, I had planned for next week but we'll talk about them in, uh, in motorsport news. Yeah cool
0: well look uh, we've been a bit more and a bit luckier up here in Queensland as it's as it has felt like most of the most of the year. Um but this week I've been driving the Hyundai i30 Sedan Elite. Uh so this is a fairly interesting looking car from the outside. It's a great it, it, look. I love the outside of it. What colour have you got? Uh so it is in the red. Ooh, um in that orange so red colour. Yeah, so it does uh, look quite nice. nice. It is even though it is a Uh, an i30 by badge it is um it, it doesn't really share a lot with the current i30 hatch uh there is quite a difference in styling um and that's simply just because the i30 i think it's to to do a little bit of badge engineering and also to it's probably a very strategic move to help with the uh boosting of the the carfax Uh, the VFX data that we get every month um, because they tend to sort of get put all under under, uh, the i30 badge as well as, you know, a lot of other brands do it as well where it's uh, the collective model that gets reported in the sales. So it's a a clever move from that rather than splitting up all of these sales into um, smaller segments. Um, It also creates a little bit of a streamline even though there is a a little bit of a difference in terms of uh, the the layouts of the vehicles, but at least, um, you know, it makes it easy when you're talking to people Do you have the hatch or the sedan, etc.? Um, Design-wise, yeah, I think it looks way better than it does in the photos. I wasn't really a big fan in the photos that came out. I think it, it was just a, a, perhaps not exactly my tasting, but um, I do quite like
1: it a lot more in person. It works a lot better. Yeah, you really need to see it. It's, again, like that. Like we say for most of these cars now, when they come out, you might see them in photos and whatever else, um, you know, but until you actually see it and walk around it and have a look at the lines and the way the light falls across the bodywork, particularly with this i30 sedan with the way it's designed, um, yeah, you really, really need to see it.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, it's loaded with tech, of course. You've got uh, two digital displays inside the car, one for your uh, infotainment, the other one for your dash. So it is a full digital dash similar um, the, fir- the, the first time I encountered this particular version was in the i20N uh, which was at the Hyundai N Festival last month and um, this is one of the key things that differentiates it from the rest of the i30 range where the i30 range still doesn't have a full digital dash display yet um, and in the LCI i30N that we saw that didn't have a digital dash either so um, unless you know that particular prototype, which I believe they're using for you know the suspension tuning and all that kind of thing, it was still a left hand drive car. Um, unless you're using still a you know they haven't updated the internals just for the sake of the purpose of what that car was doing. Um, but yeah, it's a works quite nicely. They're, they're high resolution, which is just in this particular once we're getting lower into the into the brands or lower in the rungs of, you know, entry-level for vehicles. It's always so nice to see a high-resolution screen um, which just looks great from pretty much every angle uh, that you're using. It's got your standard Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, um, plenty of USB ports all throughout. It, is, um, it borrows a lot from the Genesis, uh, it, it feels like. Uh, from, from how just everything is laid out, it feels almost a little bit like, you know that that stuff has filtered through from the Genesis range, which so is actually that, so that really nice
1: layout come come down from from those models, and they're obviously you know getting good feedback, and people like the way that it's uh, obviously designed to then be pushing them back into the Hyundai range. Yeah, exactly. Surprising
0: so wise, it's uh, you know the the i thirty sedan ranges between like that twenty twenty six thousand to just under thirty one thousand um, dollars. This is still sitting high in your fuel economy, so I'm getting about eight to eight, eight and a half to nine liters just on on average driving. Um, it's claimed is around that seven liter mark, so it is a little bit higher. And how many um, on it
1: though, Ash?
0: Uh you're looking at uh, it's got about three
1: thousand k's on it yeah, at so the it's moment. Still, it's still young in the scheme of things, so
0: yeah, it's yeah. um it's It's still you know for the purpose of you know what I'm experiencing it at that's that's what I'm getting, and that's yeah. all I can really base it off, which is you know it's it's a gift and a curse of getting a car so so new um sometimes it is nicer when some of these brands and and Hyundai are, are one of them that do it sometimes that you do get back into a car that has got about nine thousand ks on it, and so you can sort you of have, see you had
1: the elite didn't you yeah. So it's only got ah. six speed auto on it as well, as opposed to the seven speed D C T in the in the N line and the N line premium. So yeah, whether that and I, has and I, anything to do with it as well.
0: But I but I do think the the auto at the moment is a little bit smoother to to drive. It it does drive quite smoothly as a car, where in that D C T which I've experienced in a couple of other Hyundais at the moment, it does it it does give you a bit of a uncertainty when you're accelerating from a from a slow speed or from a complete stop, and so that is a different driving dynamic which you have to get used to in this type of car. And given that DCTs are not common in this sort of price price range yet, um, so if someone was to sit behind it back to back, they'd probably prefer the automatic over the DCT. Um, even though it's kind of cool to have DCT cars now coming into this this price range. Um, but you are right. It, it doesn't pack a huge amount of power, um, and not that I expect it to, um, but it is just finding that balance um, between economy and yeah, performance overall. But it's nice and roomy. The, the boot... Um, is spring loaded it, so it doesn't have like it doesn't open fully automatically but it does have that proximity feature where if you walk up to it uh, and the key is in your pocket and your hands are full it will beep three times and then automatically pop the boot open for you and then without you just got to get like, it over the last to wave bit. wave
1: your foot underneath or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I
0: always find that a lot more consistent than you know standing around balancing on one foot trying yeah. to get it to work because that type of feature never really works like not even probably 20% of the time, it, it it it's really inconsistent across any of the brands which which have implemented it. Um, and I've, I've taken cars to dealers and they haven't really been able to get it to work either. And it's not because, you know, they don't know what they're doing. It's just that I don't think the tech is really... Um, uh, it's, it's just not that convenient and, it, and it's not as wide sweeping. You kind of just have to hit the sweet spot for it. And, you know, a lot of the time you're never going to... F- be in the exact right spot for it to work. So um, I I very much prefer this implementation where you just walk and it might take a little bit longer because it's got to beep three times and so it can be about five, six seconds before the boot opens. But I think that's a better trade-off with having it being more consistent and a lot more predictable. So yeah, but overall, it's quite nice, quite roomy. The air conditioning works good. The Bose sound system sounds nice. Um, The... The infotainment system is quite responsive, um, which is always good, and um, yeah, very very little to to complain about and um, and, and to criticise. Just with except you know with that exception of the the fuel economy, where I, I still feel um, even in a car like this, it could be could be improved still a little bit um, from that point. But yeah, it's it it does a does a good job, and um, you do have that five year unlimited kilometre warranty. Um, you've got your, your cap price servicing cost and um, yeah so it's, um, but it's kind of like the same story most of the time with a lot of these cars is that they, they tick a lot of the boxes really well they do a good job and um, it's only it's very rarely anymore that we actually find cars that don't do a good job. Um, it's, it's getting harder and harder to, to pick the, you know to pick these things
1: apart. Yeah, it is. Does it have the start button on the rem- on the control, on the key as well? It does, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's that's perfect cool. for, you know, up in
0: Queensland, we get really hot, consistent weather. So if you know that you're going to be going somewhere soon, um, you know, you can pop your head out the front door, turn the car on, let it cool down for a few minutes before you jump in and, and, and head off. That's yeah. a, you know, that's a really... Great feature. I do wish it had a sunroof. It just feels like because it is a nice big open cabin, it and the weather we've probably had lately. Um, I oh, every time I hop in, I go, Oh, wait, no, there's no sunroof in this one. Um, but that you know, that's a that's a that's a, a luxury feature, really, that not everybody wants or cares about.
1: Yeah, right, interesting.
0: Yeah, so, um, oh can't remember what I'm jumping into tomorrow. I think it's another I-30. Um, it's the i th- Yeah, it's, so it's the active model. So I'm jumping, into, jumping down a grade to, to have a look and explore what that's like um, and to see what, you know, to really get a good idea of what those extra dollars get you or um, what you feel like you're missing out on when you jump down um, or as, you, you know, as we explore through the range.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but so we... Um, we have some pretty interesting major news. So it's it's been a fairly light week. It's been a bit weird because we've had some weeks there's just tons of news, and then others which are you know not much has been moving through. Um, but the most interesting one is uh, the the right-hand drive uh, Chevy Corvette has been spotted testing in right-hand drive um, so it's been spotted in the US um, and there's a local launch date of later this year and now we've been waiting a long time for the Corvette to, to make its way down here but I guess it is a it is promising um, that we're starting to see a right-hand drive model getting around and, and going through some testing
1: yeah I had heard some stories previously in the media that some um, some of the the um, Japanese spec ones that because they're going to Japan first had been seen uh, out and about. So, but this is sort of the some of the first photos we've we've seen it. I'm not quite sure of the color, I don't really think that's really a Corvette color that bright yellowy sort of color. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. an interesting choice by Corvette to do that. But it you know, could be maybe that, that they believe that obviously that it is for Japanese market. I think it might be a stronger color, but yeah, it's good to see yeah. that we're progressing with this. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk in the local sort of forums and stuff about the the model and, and the keenness of a lot of people, um, particularly after all the, the return of deposits, things and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, hopefully, um, as you know, we'll see them here before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, it's been a really topsy-turvy experience, um, obviously with Holden uh, departing when it did through what the initial orders were, and um, what we understand at that point was basically the first year or two of allocations had pretty much been exhausted through deposits alone. Um, and then, obviously, as that changed over, and we transitioned to now what we have is uh, General Motors Specialty Vehicles or GMSV, um, who are now looking after the imported and conversion, or, you know, converting of uh, GM product. For the local market um, basically hitting reset on those orders, and I don't know what that impact has been on the on the number of orders because obviously uncertainty doesn't help people when wanting to commit money to to a car. Uh, there's no pricing yet um, for local; it is yet to be confirmed. Even though uh, the mark between $130,000 150,000 before on roads is expected, which still Remains somewhat competitive if you look at what the Europeans are doing. This is a, you know, at the moment, the Corvette has a 6.2 litre V8, uh, 370 kilowatts of power, 630 newt metres of torque. And of course, it is um, a mid-engine car. It isn't a front-engine car anymore. So, it has that allure of that extra, um, you know, feeling of being exotic and... But um, I don't know. Do you, do you think there's, there'll be as many people lining up for that right-hand drive Corvette now
1: as there were before? It's hard to say. Um, it depends on what price it comes in at and then obviously you know, where the state of the economy and that is. But I think that those that are, that are genuine GM fans and stuff like that will want to buy one um, mm-hmm. because obviously, you know, if they've maybe they've had a Mustang or a Camaro and they want something different. Then you know. Then I think that there's definitely a market for it, but as to how many they sell, yeah. I really don't know. I hope it's, I hope it's a few and that it's successful, that at least it yeah. continues. But um, I think
0: it has the potential to sell well. Um, again, like what you say. What is well in the definition of a of a product like this, but given that we are talking one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty thousand, or even if we make it, oh, let's say one hundred and seventy five, as long as it stays under two hundred thousand, I think they'll find a way to to gain a market here because that still sits in comparatively M four C sixty three R S four R S five. So I think you know with with who it's going up against. Um, it, it certainly has the potential to, you know, to be quite an attractive option if you're in in that market and you are wanting to get something that is quite, you know, is quite unique. And it isn't. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say a dime a dozen like any of those European cars, but those cars are quite common on the road. You don't have mm. to go far to find them. Um, so if you're wanting something and you don't need four seats, this you know the reviews have been great overseas this has been selling extremely well because it it turns out that um you know this sort of package built by jam turned out to be fantastic so maybe those that that delay and um you know the number of positive reviews and the positive feedback that's come through has you know will help it um along the way. But yeah, there's there's a lot to there's a lot remaining to be seen, but it's certainly um at least a positive step in the right direction because we didn't have that that confidence before whether Jam was going to continue with doing the right hand drive because we know that the development of a right hand drive model Cost basically the same as doing the left-hand drive, but if you're producing so much fuel, your return has to be much higher. And so, um, you know, this is a—it's still a positive step given that everything that has happened in the in the retreat from uh, the right-hand drive market for GM. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is at least reassuring to one point, but don't take it either as um as a glimmer of hope that we'll see more right-hand drive vehicles from GM anytime soon
1: yeah it's hard to say what they'll do you know with the, the future of the camaro and yeah and obviously we've seen obviously what's happening with the the trucks and stuff like that they're mm. doing but you know yes yeah. we'd love to see um with the release of the new t- CT- cts from cadillac we'd love to see some of those come over but i think the camaro will obviously be a, a bit of a step in to see how, what happens from there absolutely
0: and um Potentially by the end of this year, early into next year, um, it won't be competing with a V8 AMG C63 because Mercedes-Benz has um, essentially confirmed that the next generation C-Class, which we expect to be um, revealed shortly, um, will only be offering four-cylinder engines all the way through to their AMG models. So six and eight-cylinder engines in a Mercedes C-Class won't be a thing anymore. Um, we're expecting most of um, most of these new models will have some form of electrification, so a mild hybrid, particularly in those high-performance vehicles, to pick up that performance that you might be missing out on between the six and eight-cylinder vehicles. Um, this is certainly a bold move uh, for them, given that their V8, particularly in those AMG models, has been, you know, so so iconic. Um, but this is, you know, this is the start of the the transition into an electric future
1: yeah exactly it's uh it's interesting move um to to move into that but i think it's all about emissions really now is what it's coming down to and unfortunately yeah. we're seeing more of this um you know it's been a lot of talk this week about um you know other brands that are that are moving away from bigger engines and trying to move m- more into building their hybrids uh, and Creating more hybrids um, yeah. of their models and things like that. So yeah, it kind of makes sense that um, that yeah that they're moving into to this to this um, sort of format to make it obviously you know more economical and and to 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 be better for you know sort of the environment, but to beat the numbers. I mean the other thing is is to to meet standards of what other countries are doing as well with emissions and things like that. So.
0: Yeah, well, Europe and um, California are making it very hard for, for makers. We've already seen a lot of changes in exhaust systems to be able to meet those. And um, But saying that, Mercedes, if anyone at the moment, is probably one of, particularly for performance, uh, perhaps in the best position given the success in Formula One, um, where you know they've basically dominated the turbo hybrid era, in 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 building engine systems like this. So, uh, do you think do you think this is going to put off a lot of traditional Mercedes buyers? Do you think it's going to attract new people by going no, to these I hybrid think, systems, or, or what do you think it's going to be?
1: Although a fan of the brand, I don't think the engine matters. I think sure. it's more about the badge or the. Uh, the light of the vehicle. So be it whether you're looking at an A-class or a C-class or an E-class or any of the G-classes or stuff like that. I, I think, you know, I think it's more about now it's the, if you talk to them about the economy and say, look, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's a four or a six cylinder, but yeah. it'll give you X amount of, you know, litres per 100 Ks or you'll get, you know, you'll get X number of Ks out of a tank um, and it'll fit you and the four kids and the dog and whatever else. I think that's all you really need to say. I don't think they're really worried about the, the the car enthusiasts like you and me will um you know, obviously we're always interested to hear about performance and stuff like that. But for majority of the buyers of the brand, I would say they're more inclined to look at the practicality side or the tech side or stuff like that. So yeah. engine side which means whether it's a four or a six cylinder, I don't think is as crucial if the economy is there for out of a four cylinder.
0: Yeah, and they are saying that in this report from Motor Authority, they're saying that um, the setup is expected to be about 503 horsepower of the current C63S with, um, you know, and this is for the C63 of the next generation, so not even the C63S. Um, So essentially step up in power as well as um, potentially even more Uh, Torque than what's in the current C63s, and and that's just what's going to come naturally from an electric system. Um, You're going to get that instant torque, and um, yeah, I I think this is going to be interesting. I think uh, I don't know the it could be could this be the polarizing model for for Mercedes? Given that um, if we look at BMW, the front grille has certainly been polarizing for the M3 and the M4, um, but that doesn't seem to have hurt uh, order books. At the moment, with uh, current demand in Australia seemingly um, outstripping the supply that's available to to our market, so um, yeah. But those people, those V eight purists for the for the AMG models, I I wonder if they'll start to explore. Maybe maybe that's where um, Chevrolet um, Corvette will pick up pick up those extra sales when when they arrive at the end of this year. Yeah. Okay, uh, what do we've got next? Oh, so we talked about the Apple car last week and the talks going with Hyundai and Toyota. Well, as we suspected, Apple um, has ceased talks with Hyundai and um, has basically hit the pause button on the, you know, whilst it's never confirmed, these are what the current reports are, but um, but basically uh, Kia has said that they're no longer talking with the tech giant exactly a month after the former released a statement saying Apple and Hyundai are in discussion but it is early stage nothing has been decided um, so this is basically follows typical form for Apple it's uh, something that we don't really if you, if you follow anything of uh, Apple news it doesn't really surprise us um, but obviously this confirmation news has impacted the shares for Hyundai in uh, in Korea where their shares have dropped 6.2% um, and uh even though they jumped 24% when the announcement was made that they were working with Apple. and um, But Kia was hit harder with a, with a decline in 15% uh, on the shop, shop price. Um, so the other things that come out is that there's a lot of other car makers now seemingly jumping up and down to try and get their opportunity. Uh, Nissan is one of those that have uh, come into the conversation, as well as BMW, which uh, we talked about last week as, you know, surprising that that wasn't the rumour. So far, given that they've worked um, somewhat together on, on things in the past, um, but I don't. I, Nissan's an interesting one because yes, they've got the Leaf, but they really haven't been setting the world on fire with uh, with EVs on a on a larger scale than that at the moment.
1: No, exactly. So, but there is talk, you know, the new Qashqai and stuff that's coming. There's going to be versions of that. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there's. There's interesting tech out there as more brands. So you know, look, you know Toyota with their EV um, plans and things like that. They're even, I think, an interesting option to consider for it. But yeah, I think it's going to be one of those hard sought, um, uh, hard sought relationships to try and capture and yeah. build on. Mm-hmm. Uh, to try and be to try and be part of that program. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of people lining up for you know. Uh, to To get into bed effectively with Apple on the on this idea, so mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, and there are other talks that other EV startups are,
0: you know, potentially trying to get the opportunity to collaborate with Apple. But on that regard, I don't know if Apple would want to go with a with an up and coming. EV or even not even up and coming but just an EV startup to build this because the thing is isn't around the electric technology that I don't think that is really where the concern is for apple the concern is is scaling a production line it's it's avoiding essentially skipping over all of the issues that tesla ran into or still running into right now um, and that's where an established car maker really comes into their own. It doesn't matter if it's Nissan, if it's Toyota, Nissan, um, Hyundai, Kia, BMW. They've been making cars for a really long time. They know how to build a car. So if they if that's all they're being asked to do and um, to, to to supply some of the technology and take the design direction from from Apple, um, I think that's what Apple is looking for when in these. Collapse, you know, essentially this partnership, which it seemingly is like what they're trying to do. Uh, it's not the electric side of things which is really the trouble. It's it's all of those things which we talk about Tesla a lot and which is in the news a lot for Tesla, and that's what Apple is wanting to to find the expertise from. And I don't think you're going to find that in an EV startup. You're going to find that in an established. Um, car maker, and particularly one that has a presence in the US, because I think that is where the desire is at the moment um, to be building electric cars. And um, you know, Nissan, Toyota, Hyundai, Kia, BMW all have major factories in in the US, and um, I'm sure they don't have a problem with building more.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so. Along, uh, keeping along the tech angle, Microsoft is also—they're not getting into the car game per se, like what Apple is supposedly doing—but they have signed uh, a, a, an agreement with Volkswagen to be providing some of the autonomous car, autonomous car platform um, capabilities using Azure, their clouds, um, cloud system, um, and cloud infrastructure that. At the moment, drives a lot of parts of our um, of our web and a lot of businesses around the world, and um, Volkswagen are seemingly wanting to leverage that that technology and um, I guess the uh, the breadth of computing power which Azure has from compute, AI, storage, um, and uh, you know working with those across um, the advanced driver assistance uh, systems. So, this is an interesting partnership. Again, this is. Essentially, kind of like what we're talking about with, um, with what Apple is seeking to do. Volkswagen knows how to build the cars. They're wanting to seek a particular piece of um, technology and capability. And so they're partnering with someone who has the ability to do that. And um, that means that Volkswagen can focus on integrating that and building the cars rather than stumbling around and trying to build out these services themselves. So I think this is a pretty clever, pretty clever move, and um, it's it's something that I think we'll see a lot more of from a lot more brands um, in the future.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that they've gone down this route, and yeah, I think it's the Azure platform that they decided to to go with. That is an really interesting move, but I think it's cool that they've gone down that route for tech because, um, yeah, there's certainly some interesting developments happening there and I think it's exciting to to see how they then bring it into vehicles.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, so Microsoft as well is, this is part of, you know, this forms part of a larger um, umbrella, which they have back into general automotive um, tech and investment in automotive tech. Uh, so back in January, they invested in, um, you know, they took part in a $2 billion investment, Round um, in Cruise AV, which is um, part of General Motors' autonomous vehicle business, um, and that's you know so they're Cruise's preferred cloud provider as well, um, and they're utilizing Azure compute and AI for their processing as well. So this is, I think, it's going to be the next battleground, is where um, because all of the compute, all of all of the power that's needed to to process for an autonomous vehicle isn't going to be able to exist fully on the... You know, fully in the car, they're going to need to be relying on going back to somewhere else where we can do that computing and all as well as taking what they're talking about with the machine learning um, where it's improving how these systems work can happen on a much larger scale if they're coming back into a common area and, and not just taking data from one car but taking data from, you know, the tens or hundreds of thousands of vehicles that will be using these systems um, to improve them and that's uh, a really interesting area and a really exciting area at the moment um and particularly as we get more 5g being rolled out in particularly in metro areas that's that's where the um you know cars are going to be looking to leverage that technology to to improve better and it essentially comes back to how i don't know if you remember joel but probably 10, 15 years ago now, um, BMW showed off a few concept vehicles around connected dr- connected system, BMW Connected Drive. And Connected Drive is that brand has now been used for something else within BMW. But originally it was all about where the road, cars, infrastructure all talks to one another to help you know, these cars drive along better and better understand how traffic is flowing. So rather than... Um, what we experience when the light goes green, we have that rubber band effect. If all the cars know that the light is green and all the cars know that they're moving at a particular rate of speed, every car that's waiting for that light to go green should be able to take off and start moving all at once, yeah. which creates a whole heap of efficiencies It helps solve um, just by eliminating those little gaps, by improving, you know, it helps improve uh, traffic jams and, and rush hour and all that sorts of things. So... This is it's kind of funny that um, what was, uh, you know, we're starting to see 15 years later how this technology is starting to, to play together and that even though we're not talking about BMW right now in this article, um, that some of that vision is actually starting to, to starting to be realized.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting tech and I know that Addy have done a little bit along those lines as well in the past with, with that sort of stuff but I think it's, uh, it's interesting to see that more of them are starting to head down that, um, head down that route. And yeah, I, I, th- I know the issue here in Oz is what we allow, but in terms of that sort of stuff, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah.
0: So Chrysler, Um, we don't see many cars from Chrysler here on the road. Uh, Basically, the only one that's available at the moment is the 300C SRT. Now, that's a pretty exciting car and um, particularly from its early days, it's a pretty tidy looking car now and um, it's one hell of a muscle car. But we, you know, and I'm sure we're not the only ones and um, the existence of this article certainly confirms that we weren't, Um, but... Chrysler's, you know, so I'll read the the main articles um, or the headline. Chrysler's days were thought to be numbered. However, potential plans to transform the car manufacturer into an all-electric specialist could save it from extinction. Um, So we're talking about that even though, yeah, Chrysler hasn't really been um, a huge uh, contributor to the automotive market here. They've obviously got a bigger presence over in the US. Um, But... It is, uh, they are talking about how Chrysler was in the past expression of the automotive American technology, the best technology available at that point in time. So this is where it's pointing that potentially um, we might be looking at Chrysler becoming, uh, you know, a, a fully electric um, brand and, and sort of been a front runner in that FCA, you know, so Fiat Chrysler Automotive and uh, was it Peugeot? Uh, group merger, um, being the leader in the electric vehicles as part of that um, group, I'd, I'd certainly love to see more Chrysler vehicles. It'd be certainly interesting um, to see where they, you know, what their take on EV vehicles would be here. Um, you know, they're, they're certainly seeing a lot more pickup in success with RAM vehicles here and um, and Jeep, and we're seeing with the you know the potential of the Wagoneer in the US being electric. Um, But, so, you know, I'm excited, but I'm not expecting a lot at the moment either, um, given that this is fairly, obviously, fairly open, or fairly early days at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that they want to reinvent it um, after it's sort of suffering and not doing as well um, here in Oz, uh, but obviously overseas as well, because, you know, the lineup is a little bit, it is a little bit limited in terms of what we get, but there's obviously more that they get uh, in the U.S., But the fact that they wanted to turn it into um, turn it into maybe an electric brand is an interesting uh, interesting move, Um, and be it become you know Chrysler becomes the the electric side of things. I mean, Dodge um, obviously one of the sister brands has some of the really really cool vehicles um, in the US. Certainly does. Yeah, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do something with the brand and you don't want it to to die like the likes of Saturn and Pontiac and things like that, that you want to keep it around, then it kind of makes sense to, to reinvent it into to the electric side. Look at, you know, what mm. GMC have done with the Hummer brand. Um, and you only have to look at, you know, the former brands that they've, they've had under, you know, AMC, um, Nash, Rambler, uh, Plymouth, um, you know, and, and things like that. So to to turn around and, and to make... Um, you know it it become its own sub brand um mm and make it electric. I think it's good. I mean, we only really get the the 300 here, but obviously in the US they obviously get the Grand Caravan and the Pacifica and the Pacifica apparently is a very good car, my American journal friends tell me. Um but yeah. you know, could they then just rebadge that as a Dodge or or, mm. or something else? Um, or even if they're going to make it electric, you know, you make it a the the Cross the Pacific it becomes an electric van in that respect. But yeah, I think you know it would be it would be sad if the if the brand died off but the fact that they're talking about it becoming um electric thing i think it'd be good and and you know what what does that then become you know what are we going to see could this be mm. a really exciting thing to see a lot more models come out that are going to be EVs yeah because yeah, and I, I think that
0: they, they could potentially have quite a tough, a tough time um, moving forward if they don't start thinking this way because if I read out the brands, that, so then the coming together of all these mergers is going to be the Stellantis group. And so you've got Arbath, Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, Citroën, Dodge, DS Automobiles, Fiat, Fiat Commercial, Jeep, Lancia, Maserati, Opel, Peugeot, Ram and Vauxhall. Now when you think about those and as an automotive enthusiast there's probably still only a handful of vehicles that you could think that are really setting the world on fire out of that group um worldwide and a lot of them are not very they're not very forward thinking where you know the general automotive industry is going there's still you know cars that absolutely get us excited like SRT V8 is just all you have to mention Um, for anything that comes to mind that is super exciting. But Mm. even out of the brands that we do get here in Australia, they're not setting sales records. Um, You know, the only one that really has some really positive movement at the moment has been building momentum, has been the Ram products. Um, Jeep has been somewhat consistent, but again, still selling probably a lot lower than we've seen in the past. And then Citroën, well, you know, yeah, there's not very much available from from Citroën. They still make some great looking vehicles, um, but again, just not in huge volume. Um, So they've got a bit, they they could be facing a potential. you know challenges in the future, but with saying that, out of the things that we're starting to see crawl through, say the Jeep brand at the moment, the 4 by e, as well as a couple of the other um, plug-in hybrid models that are in that Jeep range that we don't get here, unfortunately, um, is is that glimmer of hope that. As a, as an automotive group, and as a all of the might which they have there in those brands and that brand equity, they'll be able to turn around and sort of hopefully play, ca- or hopefully not play catch up, but at least stay with um, the rest of the market. Because even the likes of GM are investing billions of dollars in transitioning their brands into to EV.
1: Yeah,
0: but I remain hopeful. Yes, <laughs>
1: yeah. we, can only, we can only remain hopeful.
0: That's right, because it's still you know as as much as that they still make some great cars at the moment, just not in the quantity that we'd love to <laughs> love to see. That's uh, that's really the, the key thing. Okay, so inject injectronics is it? I think that's the name. So it's injectronics um, is a is a Melbourne based company um, that is. Starting to basically offer an opportunity for you to exchange your hybrid vehicle battery um, into a basically doing an OEM component replacement. So they're wanting to, to offer um, an opportunity to, to recycle batteries, refurbish batteries, as well as offer original batteries um, as part of a hybrid battery manufacturing exchange program um, and assisted by a hundred and three thousand dollar federal grant. Now, this is a a great thing, um, particularly when hybrid batteries can be quite expensive. Um, Some of them can be up to $10,000 to be replaced from um, the manufacturer. And as we've got more and more hybrids, and of course, every month we see the the VFX figures of the number of hybrids that even... Toyota are selling. Um, there's a lot of batteries out there that um, will eventually need replacing or recycling, um, and this is something um, which I think particularly the the taxi industry will be very much looking forward to because they, you know, when they're doing a million kilometres a year, sometimes um, those batteries are getting a you know one one hell of a workout, um, and they're saying that a, you know you can do a battery exchange for as little as two thousand dollars depending on the model. Um, which is obviously a fantastic thing. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of this as, um, you know, as we get closer and step away from uh, essentially just your internal combustion vehicles. And we see a lot more hybrid, plug-in hybrid or electric vehicles.
1: Yeah, this is cool. Um, I know some people involved in this program that that are helping to promote it. Uh, and I did see them talking about something coming this week, and then uh, this news came out. But yeah, I think, like you said, Ash, you know, the taxi industry and stuff like that that are that are keen to obviously find a, a, an alternative to being able to, you know, find to, to swap out these batteries um, easier, um, to be able to find a more economical way to do it. I think it's great. It really is yeah and and so they have said
0: that their injectronics will be focusing initially on Toyota's prius and camry camry hybrid fleet um, which yeah, is pretty much the the most common hybrids on the roads because of the um you know the taxis and the the great thing is is that the the camry and prius hybrids have been a great testament to the longevity of the current batteries um I know that some of the original Priuses were still getting around on the original batteries and they're still performing at a much better rate than even Toyota expected, um, far outlasting the, the kilometer or even year um, expectancy for the batteries. But as we're still seeing a lot of older Priuses around or even as they become part of that secondhand market, um this is where for not a lot of investment um this is a great way to to refresh your battery and it's just like your phone if your battery's getting a little bit on in your phone you'll take it into the apple store you take it to a kiosk in the middle of the the road there's going to be a big baff, you know big uh, big difference and um Usually, you won't notice too much of a difference by going, uh, you know, through that alternative route, whilst also saving yourself quite a lot of money. If if you're going to spend ten thousand dollars or two thousand um, dollars, I think a lot of people will give the two thousand dollar one a go first yeah, for before sure. uh, before going to the other one, because yeah. particularly if you own a fleet.
1: Yeah, exactly, and or anyone that's looking to, you know, even just save some money and, and change it out, because you know it's not really a cheap experience.
0: Yeah, so interesting stats they did share was that um 13,000 batteries needed changing last year and they expect by 2024 to have 23,000 batteries that need changing.
1: That's, That's pretty, you know, in terms it of the vehicles that are out there on the road.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of money too. It's uh, And I'm, I'm surprised we're not seeing... Obviously, this is the start of uh, that transition of going, um, you know, as these, I guess, uh, alternative options to... To renew and um, replace those batteries, because otherwise, I think um, you know, as those batteries dies in those in those hybrids, they're going to become more and more like a regular internal combustion car, yeah. and you're going to lose all of the advantages that you have um, by by purchasing a, a hybrid. But let's um, let's jump into some motorsport because we've got some interesting news, particularly coming out of Formula One. Um, so Fernando Alonso, who's joining the Renault slash Alpina or the new Alpine Formula One team this year returning from a a bit of a sabbatical we could say um unfortunately had an accident while cycling and um was uh he ended up in hospital sustaining a fracture to his upper jaw um and he has had uh, surgery and um it seems like though um that he, uh, I think there was a, an update from him in uh, on social media saying that he expects to be back training at least uh, sometime next week, uh, which is promising. Yeah, uh, thankfully it wasn't anything more major.
1: No, he was lucky. It seemed to be probably lowish speed because it was someone turning into a car park that collected yeah. him. So hopefully he wasn't you know at full full speed, so the the injury wouldn't be as bad as as uh, as hoped. But we hope that uh, he's on the mend soon and uh, ready for uh, testing.
0: Absolutely, it's going to be. Um, yeah, otherwise uh, I'm sure Nico Hulkenberg would be knocking at the door to fill in. Yeah, um, there was some great uh, memes sh- shared on social media this week of um, of uh, of it, you know, sort of playing around with uh, with it being Nico Hulkenberg behind the wheel of the the car that caused the accident. But where we're just glad that it was um it was nothing to, or seemingly from what we understand um nothing to... Concerning or serious, obviously a jaw injury, particularly upper jaw, is um, upper jaw, jaw, sorry, um, is obviously not a fun injury. But um, thankfully, it could have been a lot worse as well. Furthermore, in F1, um, teams have actually agreed on the engine freeze plan for 2022, so that freezes the development further of the engines. Allowing Red Bull the opportunity to 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 catch up with. uh, Oh, I've just had a. uh, There we go. The autoplay video is just a lovely thing when you're opening up Uh, an article to read. Um, but yeah, so Formula One teams have approved the plans for an engine freeze in 2022. Um, plus, also they're open to the idea of sprint races. But we'll talk about that in a second. But this um, this push for freeze was originally led by Red Bull, um, as they're in a bit of a tough spot at the moment, where Honda is exiting their engine development program and um, leaving Red Bull supposedly or without a without an engine following this season. However. There is a bit of a. Um, it seems like deal has been done for Red Bull to acquire the the Honda project and um, to keep developing it themselves. So the extra year will allow Red Bull to ramp up their their engine develop. It's kind of crazy, but their engine development team um, to allow them to essentially become a full fledged um, constructor and engine supplier in Formula One. So it's. Um, I guess it's good news for for Red Bull and um, it's good that uh, other teams have jumped on board to support it, even though I'd suspect uh, the likes of Ferrari probably would have um, would liked to have the opportunity to have a, a new engine come in following their last season.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, yeah, this is this is pretty good. This is obviously part of Red Bull's, um, in no short way, committing big time to, to Formula 1. So I don't think uh, they'll be leaving anytime soon. Um, but also, it's uh, There was another article that came out talking how the the marginal cost of becoming an engine constructor and acquiring those Honda assets isn't actually too much more than being a, a, a purchaser of those engines. So,
1: so as long as that um, works out, that that's good because at the end of the day, they can kind of work with the. Well, I suppose they're doing their own development, but it kind of moving on from you know previous. Gen uh, into the mm-hmm. new one, so at least they, you know, they're kind of working with something they kind of know, as opposed to having to get a brand new engine. And but at least they're paying and they're they developing them, them stuff themselves.
0: Exactly, and I think the key, which um, which these types of moves, where if you're the engine supplier and the, you know, in a constructor in Formula One, you you know how to build your car around that engine. You're not shoehorning it into a, a chassis that you're you know, that you've developed and which your engine supplier is then giving you. So um, it should allow even better and, and more close-knit um, development of both the chassis and the engine uh, with that. And um, yeah, I think this is going to be exciting at least to have Toro uh, or Alpha to to also be... As a essentially a, in quotes a, a customer of that engine, so it's not just one team they're supplying. Yeah, At least they have two a, teams, a
1: sister team to, to kind of help develop it.
0: Exactly. So it's a, it's another way to help um, reduce that that cost as well yeah. for them. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 certainly a positive move, and um, because I don't think uh, Red Bull really had too many options otherwise to to choose for um, an engine supplier. Um, but the other bit that we mentioned is the sprint races. So it seems like uh, we're still awaiting a formal decision on um, whether this new qualifying format will have a, 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 an, a an appearance this season, we should say, at three of the races. Um, in the 2021 season, but it seems like the the Form, Formula One and FIA have said that um, the ten teams, as part of the championship, have offered broad support to to the proposals of the new qualifying format, um, which has which will see a, a Saturday sprint race. Um, and um, basically, that decides in place of qualifying. And um, yeah, it certainly would be an interesting thing to see. What, mm. What's your take on it, Joel?
1: Yeah, look, it's interesting. Depending on how they want to, uh, how they want to place it. So whether it becomes kind of like, I mean, it's not really the same. But supercars obviously have you know sprint races across their weekend, and they're, they're less kilometers yeah. than say a, a bigger a bigger race. Um, but they're usually a sprint weekend as opposed to a more sort of. Bigger race weekend, um, so they're talking maybe sort of 100k races, but I don't know how the teams will take it in terms of like they're they're currently saying is to be it, for it to be a result in how the grid then sits, or it will it be you know a half points race or something like that. So yeah. um, I think that's going to be that the toughest thing is to be able to. Work out what weights it holds, um, whether it becomes how to decide for the grid, or whether it becomes mm-hmm. a point points race or something like that. I think that'll be the interesting thing. But I think regardless, having an extra race on the Saturday, I think for you know not only for TV audiences but for fans at the track, um, when they obviously can allow fans to get back, uh, yeah, you know, I think it, it certainly will make it interesting. Uh, and I think it, I think anything they can kind of do to to help improve. Um, you know the the way that people are are watching the sport. I think it. You know. I think it's. I think it's probably important, and I think it's exciting for them to to consider mm. to consider doing that. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see what the decision comes to from the teams, and 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 what they end up voting for, and and which who gets their way. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, I think that'll be the interesting thing.
0: It'd be interesting to see how the teams report if they do do these tests. Um, what the impact is on the mileage the car has yeah. um, obviously racing a car um, even on a short distance is going to have a different impact compared to a free practice session or quali yeah. so that's, um, that's I'm sure is in the back of the minds of a lot of um, teams as well, particularly the lower down teams, where they don't have the biggest pockets either. No. Um, even though they've got the cost cap, but if um if you, um, with the if you have a, and
1: whatever else as well, yeah,
0: and if you have a collision with someone, that's um you know there's a lot higher risk of that in a in a in a race situation than you yeah. do in a practice or a qualifying situation. So, um yeah, that's uh, I'm certainly on board to see the different
1: yeah I attempts. Am too. I do at, it. I think it's good it. to, I think, to actually yeah. to make a race weekend or, you know, we, in terms of having the ability as fans to be able to watch a race on a Saturday and then obviously the major race on, on the Sunday. Yeah. I well, it gives it, you
0: another reason to tune in, doesn't yeah. it? Because normally for me, I keep a loose eye on the free practice sessions and if I can make it, I'll tune into qualification. But apart from that you know the main thing that i want to tune into is is the race but if you're going to give me a second race on the saturday i'll probably be more inclined to tune in and yeah. and that's good for ad- advertising dollars for sponsor dollars um and everybody involved so yeah i'm i'm glad that at least this has been tabled and um could potentially be something because otherwise you know we'll talk about it on here we'll talk about it in forums we'll talk about it on social media um, and you know saying how a practice race, you know a sprint race or whatever would be a good idea. but to actually see it in practice and to actually be experimented with, I think that um, it's the best case scenario to, to do something
1: like this. Yeah, exactly. And the other interesting news to come out this week is that they're heading back to Portimao. Uh, yes. for yeah. the championship this year so there was a big TBC around May 2 on the calendar and it's been confirmed mm-hmm. that they're going back to Portugal and, and to Portimao so I think that's uh, that's good I'm pretty sure um, I you know, enjoyed it, that race bar the major incident on the, on the yeah. straight um, yeah. it was a good race and it's a good track so um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it goes again um, mm-hmm. but yeah I think that's great yeah, and uh, Supercar,
0: so the Winton pre-season test has been postponed. Obviously, we've had a bit of a shake-up in things, what's going on, but we've had some new dates proposed uh, so as talking, well. So. Yeah,
1: they're talking this Friday. It was supposed to be this Tuesday, um, and I was not going to be able to go on Tuesday because I had another assist booked, And uh, but now that's been moved to next Friday, I hope to be able to, to attend. So, yeah, they've, they've, they've moved it out. Because um, obviously, if our lockdown works and we can obviously reduce the, the severity of it spreading, uh, we will return to normal on Thursday, which then gives the teams a chance to to get back in and prep. To I mean, I'm guessing probably most of the cars are probably almost ready to be loaded and ready to go. Yeah. But then well, yeah. I've seen
0: a lot in uh, in Queensland having a, a lot of shakedowns. Yeah, at the well, moment, they had so. their,
1: the Queensland teams had their shakedown last week. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, DGR and Triple um, Eight uh, had a really good run. Um, and put they put quite a few um, laps down. Uh, gave mm-hmm. two newcomers at DGR a chance to to get behind their new vehicles um, and have a bit of a, a bit of a good feel and, and run. Um, but yeah, the big teams bar the ones that tested at Phillip Island the other week. When for the ride day when I was there, um, this is their first chance to to have a real run for the year, but it's also a week Mm -hmm. out from um, the Repco Mount Panorama 500 as well, which is the first round of the year. So, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of teams that'll be pretty keen, and and most of the teams are in testing in Vic. Um, So, you know, we're talking about... um, uh, Yeah, because there's also the other thing is you've got to remember is that there's quite a few drivers that are based... um, who are based in Queensland as well. So, you know, allowing them to come back in and then be able to get to the track and stuff like that. So, um, Mm. yeah. So at this stage they're booked in for, for this coming Friday, but uh, I have read that they do have a couple of other tentative dates um, the following Monday and Tuesday, possibly according to the Mm -hmm. guys at Speed Cafe. Um, They're saying that they are tentatively booked as well. Um, If, we don't you know if the the lockdown is extended this week and we need to go into the following week um so yeah if, if that happens then you know they've got the ability to to get that through as well um so yeah hopefully you know everything crossed we'll be able to emerge on thursday and the test will be able to happen on friday but um but then yeah it's exciting and then then on week later there at the mountains. Mm. so that'll be uh be good to watch
0: yeah certainly will and another um uh, series that has been impacted by the lockdown in Victoria has been the TCR Australia yeah. Series, so we've had to postpone that second round. Um, fortunately, um, so yeah, Phillip Which Island. Is set there's, to a lot of, there's
1: a lot of drivers I know that um, were really looking forward to it because they couldn't run, they couldn't get to Tassie, so they um, for the round down there. So they are really hoping to be able to run at the island. The other thing is, yeah. is that event was being. Um, uh, double, well, double-headed double with the Australian Superbikes as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people I'd spoken to were very keen to get down and obviously watch both classes, not only TCR, S5000, yeah. Australian GT, yeah. and then obviously the Superbike Championship. Um, and, yeah, so that was going to be, you know, interesting to see. But I think it's a smart move for Motorsport Australia to, to jump forward and just say, look, hey, We're going to postpone it. We're not going to cancel. We're going to postpone it. So they can obviously try and find another date later in the year. But at least, you know, if we do come out Wednesday and everything's fine, there just wasn't enough time for the logistics to to get people um, to the track and be set up and everything to be running by the weekend because they're even running from as early as as, um, Thursday because there's so much to run through. Um, but the other interesting news to come out this week is that Rihanna Krennan, uh, who has been the, one of the faces at Supercars and has said that she was leaving Supercars commentating last year, is going mm-hmm. to be the front or the face of um, Australian Superbikes coverage. So that's great to see. Yeah, that's great news. Scoring another another role on TV because she's really really good um, with uh, her presentation skills and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's great to to see. Uh, that she be doing that, but obviously now um, you know the next round is unsure when it'll be. But um, yeah, they've delayed the the first the next round of the Motorsport Australia Championship is now at the Bathurst Six Hour at over Easter in early April. Yeah, and um, basically the,
0: <laughs> another one that's that's changed is the the 2021 Motorsport Australia Rally Championship.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's it's... changed.
0: So Queensland has replaced the WA. Uh, with that one. So that's that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad uh, that it's again I mean Forest Rally was probably one of my favourite to photograph on the on the yeah. uh, so some of the most amazing stages. Um, and that was the last rally I photographed was a couple of years ago, um over in uh just in Boston just south of Perth. Uh and yeah, but it's been the good thing it, it's you know it's it's good. It's a and good the win bad. for Queensland. So, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's heading to Queensland, um and it'll be run around Gympie. So it'll be interesting to see whether they'll use I haven't delved too much into it to see exactly what roads they're using, but if it's anything like the roads that they used to run on when we were up in Raleigh, Queensland, it's some really, really good stages. And uh, it's, you know, the forest up there is, is pretty good, but it might even be slightly different. But, yeah, so that's been now moved to um, May. Um, and so it'll be the second round of the championship. The first round is actually the same weekend as um, Bathurst um, and the 26th to the 28th of, of March. Um And, yeah, that'll be in Canberra. So, um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... So the championship this year, they still haven't announced where the, the end of the championship will be, the, the Asia-Pacific round um, yeah. at the end of the year. But it goes start, go, starts in Canberra. It'll now go to Queensland instead of Perth. Uh, it'll then go to Tassie um, and then to Gippsland here in Victoria and then across to the Adelaide Hills uh, in October to then finish off with the Asia-Pacific round at the end of the year. And the talk mm. is possibly at the moment um, that it, that could pop up... Um, in, sort of maybe around talk was maybe around Bathurst or somewhere else so i'm intrigued to see what what happens with that um but yeah it's sad that Forrest rally won't get a get, get a run because that's one of the, the the my favorite rounds to, to photograph mm.
0: and uh nascar so they're going through a, obviously a bit of change at the moment and uh, nascar technology isn't necessarily uh yeah you know, it doesn't Push the boundaries in a lot of areas, but um, the NASCAR president, Steve Phelps, says that he'd be surprised if a new OEM opted to enter the top level of stock car racing without the provision for an electric hybrid system. Now, this is probably not quite in the same way, but very similar to what supercars are facing at the moment, where um, if they don't modernize and they don't adapt um, the series, they could be a bit limited because particularly for NASCAR hybrid and, and what we're seeing in the American market in particular is, um, you know, we these, these brands are not wanting to enter something that, it, that feels old or feels ancient and doesn't push their agenda forwards. And so um, current manufacturers within NASCAR is Chevrolet, Chevrolet Ford and Toyota, um, but no new companies have committed so far to enter the series. Um, and they're talking about, you know, they don't want to say that, well, we're not talking about all electric, but they're talking about a hybrid system. And if they're going forwards and if they do introduce some form of hybrid system, uh, I do think that we probably see um, the door open a little bit wider um, for OEMs who want to be part of that. And um, it probably fits their, you know, their, their, their brand um, and what they're trying to achieve with the brand a little bit better. Uh, moving forwards, but um, but what what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they they have had the same brands for a while, um, and you know, they're really not going to because so many brand like so many brands now are so focused on hybrid. I think yeah. um, you really it's kind of the same thing with supercars. You know, with the car of the the next car of the future or Gen 3, you kind of need to be showing some new tech and make it easier for a brand to come in. So that hybrid thing, it's kind of like, you know, talking about IndyCar and trying to have a a new engine manufacturer come in where they're moving into hybrid. So they're kind of in that same direction. But yeah. It's it's funny
0: to see the parallels actually, because even if you look at the, uh, you know, they are talking a lot about the next gen Mm -hmm. uh, when it rolls out next year. Um, so there's a lot of parallels with uh, with supercars here in Australia and you know hoping to attract new manufacturers and um, yeah it, it's just uh, otherwise I don't think I don't think the series will last forever without um, any drastic changes like that no, but I think you, you have
1: here. to adapt otherwise it's just it's just not gonna thing but I don't know how well the fans will take to hybrid that's the thing I mean yeah. this car is so around the noise and and you know just the loudness of the, of the cars and the engine sound I don't know how hard it will be taken
0: yeah and that's you know that's the and and again that's the similar challenges which um which supercars have found it, it's the the core fans are uh, very much are coming from an older generation but that's also where NASCAR um, in particular which I've seen across social media have been making a lot of efforts to to find and engage with the younger audience which you know the, the same ideals and the same things don't necessarily apply in what they care about and, and perhaps the younger generation doesn't really care about the V8s but um, they might care if there is hybrid and, and look at the other aspects of which the you know the racing brings and the excitement which the racing brings, which it can be very exciting. Um, it doesn't necessarily always need the V8 to to make it so, um, but it's going to be an ongoing challenge. And um, particularly if they want to attract new manufacturers, they're going to have to to, to find a way to make that work. And um, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, particularly with uh, 2022. Um, the 2022 the. The stock car, which they have come around, sort of teasing, you know, the, or the development car, I should say, um, which they've got running around, looks very good, and um, they're quite eager for it. It seems that the with the better aer- aerodynamics of the vehicle and the co- lower costs associated with the vehicle um, to to run the vehicle um, is also going to be a lot a lot more attractive. So even you might find more teams are entering because it's a lot cheaper to to, to run and um, as. Uh, as um, as a few people pointed out, that's why brands even across the the Super Super Bowl get involved is because of airtime and. Mm. Sometimes you know buying an ad gets you so far but if you've got your name on a car it's on you know they're showing the race most of the time so it's a it might be a smart idea being on a on a on a, on a vehicle yeah, so yeah I mean,
1: Toyota obviously have done a lot with it you know they're now running they have. the Supra in terms of what they're doing yeah. for, for their model but yeah I think it, it comes down to the cost to enter and what it's going to cost you to run a run a year mm. being involved and you know budgets are getting tighter and stuff now so it does make it hard to, to really get value for money yeah
0: yeah. So, uh, Hilda he he's signed up for the Pikes Peak Hill Climb with an Indy car.
1: Yeah, this uh, uh, was interesting. What's this all about? I'd been watching, reading the... I looked at the entry list the other week because, I mentioned yeah. previously, a friend of mine is competing uh, and I had had a look at it, but there was a press release that came out this week talking about Jermán um, Damas going back, but he's running in a different class. But there was mention of the... No further sort of update of the entry list and it wasn't until this Road & Track article came... Um, across my Twitter feed during the week that I actually went back and had a look and confirmed that, yeah, they're right, that J.R. Hildebrand has been entered in the open wheel category in a 2021 yeah. Dallara DW12, which is current spec IndyCar. Um, and, but there's been no other further details have, have been sp- shared on it. Um, it's just on the entry list. So, you know, it was interesting. I got quite quite excited about this during the week. Yeah. And... and um, you know, I I don't know whether he um, Jay has actually ever done it before, so I don't know what his experience is like, and, uh, and you know he's probably going to go in. I oh, actually should have a look and see whether he's actually listed as a as a rookie or not. But uh, you know the, he will be able to practice in the different sections and stuff. But yeah, I think um, as another fellow journalist pointed out to me during the week, the 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 car will be a lot lighter than the IDR um, Volkswagen that that currently. Um, is entered uh, mm-hmm. which holds the record um, so it'll be interesting to see you know where it well sits. what that
0: altitude difference will have as well, well as it climbs you know, the, compared the to the other cars the mini car.
1: cars are turbocharged so yeah. you know they obviously have a, a fairly de- decent um power output and you know turbos are obviously a, a must in terms of um uh, in to get to of, the top know, being able yeah. to to deal with that loss of um power that you get mm. uh no, Hildebrand has competed before. He's not listed okay. as a rookie, so right. that does make it interesting. So he obviously has experience on the mountain, uh, having driven before. I'm pretty sure doesn't that make heard... it any
0: easier though. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I
1: thought I had heard his name previously, but I can't remember what he'd competed in. Um, but yeah, he's in the open wheel category, so that will certainly make things quite interesting in terms of just what what he can you know what he can do. Um, But, yeah, it certainly is exciting to to have that. It's interesting that when you look at the entry list, there is only one entry which is on the list, but there's yet to be determined, which is in Time Attack um, class. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that'll be interesting to see who that is and what car it is because there's no other further details. Um, So that should be quite interesting to watch. Um, The other thing was, trying to remember which... Uh, class Dumas uh, is now in Time Attack 1 and he's running in a 2019 Porsche 911 GT2 RS. So mm-hmm. um, that should be very interesting to watch um, what he does there as well. So, yeah, look, it's certainly exciting. Um, you know, Dumas is obviously the current record holder in the IDR um, with a 757. Um so yeah I think uh that'll that'll certainly make things interesting to to keep an eye on coming up to to the event later this year.
0: Absolutely. Okay so let's get on to some local news. So we talked about it a little bit last week but the Etron GT uh, the e-tron GT, say that quickly, um, from Audi has officially launched and is indeed coming to Australia. So it will be with the Quattro and RS variants will be coming. And um, essentially, this is a, a, you know, as confirmed, it is a twin under the skin for the Porsche Taycan. And um, yeah, this is uh, going to be pretty pretty exciting. I think it looks bloody good. Um, it's very and- exciting.
1: Uh, I'm really excited <sighs> by the, the future of these high-end performance electric cars because um, yeah, I mean Tesla has sort of been the 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 benchmark, I suppose, if you can call them that, for so long yeah. these sort of performance mm-hmm. vehicles. But when you've got someone like you know Porsche's bringing the Taycan and and now this new e-tron, uh, I think this is really really exciting and um, and, and this is the, this is the threat, right? Yeah. this, oh, this is some. the
0: threat that that has been and we've been talking about it for ages that has been coming from these big manufacturers where. You know, this is what people are talking about. The Plaid and the Plaid Plus launch, we, we mentioned it, but the most of the sources that I follow have been dominating with the with the Audi. Um and, and and you know, for good reason, it's a bloody good looking car. Um so the Quattro, the entry level model, um, is a three hundred fifty kilowatt, six hundred thirty newt meter um in terms of traditional performance numbers from its dual axle mounted motors. Um while the R S has a claimed output of four hundred forty kilowatts or eight hundred and 830 newt meters of torque. However, when you use the launch control function of both of those, both of those cars, um, you get a big bump in that initial power off the line. So the Quattro jumps up to 395, 390 kilowatts uh, for up to 2.5 seconds, while the RS jumps up to 475 kilowatts over the same short burst. Um, zero to one hundred for the Quattro is four point one seconds, and um, the RS is three point three seconds. So not the fastest in performance, um, particularly for the Quattro. But the four point one still kind of fast, but not as not as fast as I think um, a few performance people would, would be worried about. But Saying that, um, estimated real world world range of driving, uh, 488 kilometers, as well as utilizing the 800 volt electric architecture, um, which means that you can use up to 270 kilowatts of DC charging on board um, to get a up to 80 percent of your battery capacity in 22.5 minutes. Um, so that's pretty good. So 270 kilowatt of charging. So if I was to have one right now, I'd be able to drive to one of the supercharger or fast chargers that's um, in the city. There's not many of them, but they charge up to 300 kilowatts. So I'll be able to utilize all of that um, and get that 80% charge in 22 minutes, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, this is a great looking car. Um, in terms of pricing, I'm just trying to see that right now. I'm not finding it. Generally, we don't um, oh, there we really
1: go. get pricing on these... Until closer to delivery, um, yeah, talking so about in Germany, it'll be a, yeah. in our money about one hundred and fifty-six thousand. Um, through to the RS, which is going to be about two twenty. But that's which convert- I think is probably a
0: bit optimistic, isn't
1: it? Probably, <laughs> yeah, like yeah our, I would probably yeah. say for this that one fifty to two hundred, and then the two twenty yeah. to two seventy-five, roughly, depending yeah. on how it all sort of falls. But
0: yeah, um, but oh man, this is a good looking car. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, It was interesting, though, that quoted from this Car Advice article that um, no information yet on the prospect of a high-performance Turbo S-derived e-tron model. So these Mm. two are obviously going to set more around the 4S and the Turbo um, competitors to the Taycan, uh, but nothing to the Turbo S model, which is the sort of derived top of the range. But, um, yeah, yeah, this is exciting stuff, and, um, yeah, to... Uh, I'm intrigued to see them land here and then to hear what uh, what everyone thinks of it as well and what, what it's like to drive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, in terms of features, it's pretty much everything that you'd expect um, and, and similar as well in terms of the core technology to the Porsche. Um, and there'll be nine exterior colours um, offered initially, um, including an all-new tactical green. Um, probably, I don't know, it's... I guess it's an appropriate name for an electric car, which is quite sneaky in general. Um, <laughs> but of course, uh, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned and, and uh, keep you updated on pricing as that becomes available. Um, but it will be staying along, and um, I think it's a, it's a great first start for for what I guess we call the, the onslaught of the mainstream electric supercars in a way. But on the total opposite end, uh, Toyota Mirai, the hydrogen fleet has arrived in Australia, which we spoke about a little bit, uh, you know, a little while ago. Um, And the race is on with the Hyundai Nexo. So both of these are hydrogen powered cars. A lot of these are going straight to um, to to government um, agencies across Australia with twenty. Of the Toyota Sedans um, going alongside to duke it out, but between the Nexo SUVs, Um, but yeah, so they both will be utilised in hydrogen trials, um, and so they expect those to to get started in March twenty twenty one. So this is, I guess, the next stage of the exciting part of the um, you know the other side of the the electric vehicle argument is. How the fuel cell works. So one is um, what we, you know, we're quite familiar with the lithium-ion batteries, which have, um, you know, as we talk about, need replenishment over time. Um, they do degrade just like your, your smartphone, and they do take a little bit longer to to charge. Um, the technology is improving, um, like what we said with the uh, with the e-tron. But the but the the difference is with the hydrogen vehicles is that. Um, they tend to to refuel in about the same time as your regular car, so just like when you take it to a petrol station. As well as the the flip side is that there is a bit more of a um, a commercial. Interest to have hydrogen vehicles and hydrogen transport vehicles as well. So there's a bit of a different motivation um, around in sort of commercial, and um, we t- we think about it from a capitalist point of view. Um, it would be more desirable to have more hydrogen vehicles around because also the time spent recharging um, is lower, and so it means that you've got a you have the opportunity to have a higher turnaround of new customers coming through. Um, but this is obviously again another great step. It, uh, by no means does either one need to to win out or the other. This is, it's great to actually have different options and um, different ones that have uh, obviously the different uh, you know different upsides as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, um, and it's good to see that these new models, uh, the new Mirai, is here. Uh, and it's exciting to see that they're being pushed out to, to different fleets um, around the, the country. Um, mm. And they actually
0: look pretty good. I, I yeah, don't mind good the design of the Mirai. I think it's it looks pretty nice. Um,
1: it's a little bit uh, Lexus. Um, it is. LS, it is indeed. Um, yeah. And ES looking at probably even a little bit sort of ES in size by yeah. the looks of it. Um but yeah, you see what platform it's based off. Whether it's shared from any of the Lexus stuff, but, mm, uh, mm. yeah, it's interesting. That talking about just the, the the stations that are being built, and obviously what Hyundai is planning to do with their models. But yeah, I think it'd be cool to see a few more of them on the road, and and the the government agencies and um, businesses they're going to be testing it for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So internal combustion now. Well, this you know this sort of is a bit more general, but um, Kia. Uh, we know that. Their new logo has um has debuted. We probably have seen it if you've been watching the Australian Open, um. But we're going to be start seeing the new logo on cars, um, next or making its debut at least on the Kia Cerato that's getting a mid-life facelift in May 2021. So not too far away, and it's going to be the start of that changeover for the brand. Um, Uh, logo on the cars and that's always the most complicated thing because obviously as cars will be um, moving through, the badges are probably, it's part of that, des- that design for the car. And so um, Kia has said that um, the next car that will get it after the Cerato will be the all-new Sportage, which is great because the Sportage, whilst it's still not quite nice, it, it is looking a little bit tired at the moment and um, that's expected close to the end of the year. Um, and it'll be the first next-gen car in Australia to bear the badge. Um, so this is actually quite good. I, I don't mind the new um, Kia logo. It, I'm if you're not so it familiar, like on
1: a car as a badge, I think that that's what yeah. I'm really intrigued to see to see. I think the, how the, it looks sitting on that front grille.
0: Yeah, the, the design language of the car, I think, really has to match. That's the that's the key thing. It's just yeah. like the new Nissan logo as well. Um, that said, the Kia logo isn't the easiest thing to read if you don't know what it is. It's still somewhat familiar, but it can also look like K N. Um, rather than KIA but I think um, you know that utilising things like the Australian Open as brand education is one of those things that will help people get to know um, you know the new logo but yeah I think it's uh,
1: I don't know I don't mind it mm, I think it should it, be good to uh, see. I'll yeah, be looking forward to things, seeing I think I can't kind of like to sort of see it on a car. it looks
0: yeah but it, it, you know for most people it doesn't really mean anything in terms of apart from just a, an interesting tidbit um, for that but Next one, so we've we've had a whole bunch of Holden auctions lately, setting um, you know price records at seven hundred and fifty thousand, and also of course the the GDSR W1 Maloo Ute, uh, reaching over a million dollars. But uh, another HSV GDSR W1 will be going to the auction house. And this is a prototype model, one of four, I believe. One of four pilot vehicles used to develop the W1 before the model went into production. So its tag is marked as E002 with E standing for evaluation. And um, they're expecting about $500,000 for this one. And um, I don't know. I think, unfortunately, it, it's it's following along close enough to the other ones, but not close enough to ride along the hype of those cars. Even though, in my mind, with this being a prototype car or an evaluation vehicle that's road registrable. I kind of see this as being more desirable. That's more significant, mm. at least for me, it would be. Yeah, because it's, um, it's a
1: pro- it's a prototype that, you know... That, exactly. Normally, these things it's,
0: don't always get sold or... No, you know, or not even a re- road registrable that's, that's you know... So, yeah, but it still has the same 6.2 litre LS9 supercharged V8. It's 474 kilots of power, 815 new metres of torque. But, yeah, I, if, if this... Do you think if this went before... Um, the other vehicles, this would have sold for you know some of those astronomical prices. Now yeah. five hundred thousand is still a lot, but
1: do you think it would have sold for similar or even so more it's than these it's other hard ones? Hard to say. And like we yeah. said previously, it to the right person, they'll pay the right they'll pay the price. So at the end of the day, maybe if it had gone sooner, it might have got more money. But yeah, I think when you try to follow, um, I don't think you'll ever get the same money. But they're saying no. that, that there's another. Um, there is another one of these e-special models, which is an um, evaluation model, which is currently for sale um, in the business in Sydney for $605,000. Mm. So um, I don't think it'll quite get to that million, but it'll be interesting no. to see. I mean, the other thing is that Ute was rarer than a sedan. Um so, you know, you're not going to release. They, they didn't make as many of them, but this is an, um, an evaluation vehicle. So, you know, yeah. it is... A- and,
0: it was, and it's the only one in Jungle Green, which was yeah. not a car available in production. Um, and this hasn't been confirmed, but it's believed that this one went under the hot weather testing in Darwin um, as those engineers worked towards ensuring the high-performance engine could cool itself effectively in all conditions. Um, so this car also features the signatures of supercar drivers Jamie Winker, Shane Van Gisbergen, and Craig Lowndes on the engine cover, following their one-two-three finish at Sandown 500 in 2018, um, as well as the limited edition limited uh, limited edition HSV W1 watch. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I I'm, I think this one would have been more desirable to the right people, but following those other two, perhaps, yeah, not. Um, It's just missed the boat slightly, even though, yeah. If it was me in the market, this would be the one that I would go for.
1: Mm, Yeah, exactly. Because it's you know it's 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 different again. Exactly.
0: Okay. Um, Speaking similar money though, (laughs) um, but perhaps a little bit cheaper than i was expecting um the mclaren 6 oh, not 675 the 765 lt um it it's debuted in australia and it's priced from 609650 plus your on-road costs. Um, but it is the fastest and most powerful McLaren in the current showroom. And um, the first example has just made its debut in Sydney. Now, these photos, which they've taken, look great. And um, in this in this white on black with blue calipers, it looks fantastic. Um, this Basically, the 765 um, is a more hardcore track-ready derivative of the 720S, and um, it continues their long tail series which um, pays homage to the formula or the, sorry the McLaren F1 long tail um, that raced in the 1990s so it has a, a tweaked 4 liter twin turbo v8 um, which has 563 kilowatts of power and 800 new meters of torque the zero to hundred time is uh, two point eight seconds. Zero to two hundred, um, which you can't do on a legal road anyway, here um, is just seven seconds, and um, zero to three hundred in eighteen seconds. And um, but for some uh, quarter mile, nine point nine seconds. So sub ten car, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, great looking car, um, and it's lighter than a GR Yaris. If you want to think about what of you know in it's terms of impressive. performance. Yeah, it absolutely is. So it weighs dry twelve hundred and twenty nine kilos, which um, yeah is not much at all. But obviously that explains the price tag a little bit with the use of uh, exotic uh, materials uh, to be able to you know get a you know, of all things a V eight down to that weight.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you're right. It is a little bit cheaper. I would probably think that's probably about a hundred thousand. Cheaper than what I would expect for for that because of what yeah. so much car it is for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's cool that there's uh, there's one here, and I think it'll uh, it'll do pretty well. McLarens are um, a bit of a popular car here in here in Oz these days.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And to to put into perspective, now we are talking pre on road cost, but even with that in mind, uh, a 2019 McLaren 720s 720s luxury. Is six hundred ninety-nine thousand dollars drive away, online listed at the moment. So even if you factor in your on-road costs, that still kind of feels like a, a you know, a, a relative good value for money yeah. um, when you think about it. So yeah, that uh, surprises me a little bit, but um, I don't know. It's still it's still a lot of money. It is. <laughs> uh,
1: but anyway, but so should we? the right we... person, you'll pay what because oh. you, you know you know it's worth every cent.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um okay, so bring a
1: trailer. How did we go last week? What did, what did so our cars reach? From our results last week, will go to yours first because it was pretty okay. impressive money. So the nine oh ninety Mercedes Benz one ninety E two point five sixteen evolution two uh, sold for hundred and eighty thousand dollars and eighty and hundred and eighty thousand and eighty one dollars because yeah. um, it had no reserves, so it was interesting. And then my modified two thousand and eight Porsche KNS, the the rally sort of version, sold for thirty and a half thousand, which is pretty good, pretty good result. <laughs> still for that. not
0: so, bad, yeah. Uh so uh, that can I'm I'm sure whoever bought it will be uh having a you know, great great old time with it. Particularly, you know, thirty thousand is still a decent chunk of change, but it's oh, still yeah. not um it's not you know it's not enough to make you afraid to take it off road either no uh, so how do we did you have any luck this week yeah what, you so
1: find? Uh, I'm sort of torn I'm going to go um, honourable mention first which was was well, going to be my pick but then I found something further down the page so uh, okay. I'm going to go that so my honourable mention is a 2006 Dodge Charger RT Ute conversion so oh nice someone's taken a, a 2006 Dodge Charger uh, and effectively turned it into um a Ute. Uh, I haven't had a chance to. Yeah, they used. They took it from a sedan to a Ute using a, a kit from Smythe Performance uh, that includes replacement fiberglass rear quarter panels, a steel tailgate, aluminium inner bed surface, and rear glass. So <laughs> nice work for doing that. That's pretty cool um, <laughs> for something a little bit a little bit different. Um, so. Yeah, that was um, that was that was pretty cool, uh, and then the other one. So my actual uh, sort of pick for this week, and yeah. I think I've had one of these before, is a nineteen eighty six Ferrari Testarossa. Um, oh, nice! This only done. It's that beautiful red. It's the first gen proper Testarossa wheels on it as well. That, yeah, the lovely five spoke star wheel. Um, it's mm-hmm. done 15,000 miles. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely stunning um, in the, the Rosso Corsa Red uh, with that wonderful tan interior. Um, it's got six days left and it's at $70,000 at the moment. So, um, yeah, just a stunning work of art, this thing.
0: Uh, okay, well, it's going to be hard for me to, to follow up on those, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a good go. Um, so I've picked two utes as well. Um, so the first one is a... it's a, they're, And they're all from the same family as well, okay. but this one is a 1982 Jeep CJ8 Scrambler 4-speed. Oh, nice. uh, so think of a, a Wrangler, but with the back chopped off into a little bit of a ute with a roll cage. And um, it looks a little bit funky, but... Ah, this this is pretty cool. So it's got 153,000 miles. It's had a whole bunch of work. Um, so it's been refurbished during the prior owner. So repaint, replacement interior and exterior components and engine and driveline work. Um, so as far as I see it, it's mostly new <laughs> um, Doesn't and doesn't reflect the 153,000 miles. But yeah, this is... Um, I don't know. This would be just a cool car to roll around in. Really, it doesn't have any huge utility, but just a, a bunch of fun. Really, that's that's all I see it as. Yeah, um, awesome. And at the moment, it's got a, it's a, it's bid at seventeen thousand five hundred, and uh, it's got three days to go. But my main one, this is something that I'm. Oh, there's one that gets around here not too far away for me, and I always just. It's criminally underappreciated here in Australia. It just goes to waste. But um, I'm sure the person driving it has a hoot. But um, my pick is a 12,000 mile 2005 Dodge Ram SRT 10 in commemorative edition with a six speed. Um, So this has got the uh, the The V10 engine. engine. Yeah. So it's an 8.3 liter V10, six speed manual transmission with a limited slip diff. Um, It's got audio stuff, but you know who cares? Uh, It's got a Hurst uh, shifter, Bilstein shocks, a dual exhaust system, and polished 22 inch wheels. Um, I'm sure it'll have no trouble spinning those wheels Mm -hmm. and destroying the rubber that's attached. Seems pretty good. Um, yeah, very very tidy, and um, you know it's a uh, not great for the po- pocket for uh, right. for fuel bills, but oh man, something Here like this one these of are these. just
1: You're not about fuel bills crazy. Sure.
0: Yeah, these are just insane in terms of what they are, and I these are you know, and this is what we're talking about before, and when we're talking about Jeep, um, you know, and, and and the Stellantis group is that you know they, they still put out things that are like this, these Ugh. crazy cars, um, which just you know. Isn't isn't the most practical, but just makes a
1: small selection of people very very happy and and excited when they see them on the on the road. Yeah, the uh, the in car footage of it is pretty cool to to listen to with the engine as well. Yeah,
0: so it's got um it's got thirty five thousand dollars on the bid and it ends in two days. So um yeah, it'd be interesting to see where that finally settles, particularly for this being quite quite tidy, yeah, um, and, and low mileage. But okay, all right. So let's jump on to our final bit of international news. So um, we sp- we've spoken about the e-tron, but uh, not to lose out on any of the uh, uh, the, the the attention this week. Um, so the Porsche Taycan has broken thirteen speed and endurance EV records, including a one thousand kilometer track run, um, which it achieved at Brands Hatch in just thirteen hours. Um, this is pretty impressive. I think it sort of goes a long way in in, in porsche wanting to show of of how capable this car is and and how far their their electric technology is compared to a lot of other ones that are out on the road um which i think is you know quite the quite the achievement for for the brand and you know particularly when nobody's really asking porsche to go out and do these records um i think this is just a goes a long way and to show their confidence in the product
1: yeah big time um and yeah the fact that they've gone out to break you know not just one but you know a a bunch of different ones is uh, is quite is quite interesting and um i love the paint job on the on these as well that red yeah. red one is uh, is pretty impressive so um reminds me of the uh the Porsche 918 Y-shark shark yes.
0: mm-hmm. edition that we had come down under um the red and white color scheme um, for the promo and uh, I I'll probably just upset a whole bunch of Germans with how I yep. pronounce that but <laughs> um, I'll work on it for next time this uh, Porsche comes up but... and
1: then the other thing they also did is they also broke the um, indoor land speed record as well they during did. the yeah. week as, as well so um, which was held by Miko Herven in a cross cart of all things Um, but racing driver Lee Keane posted 165.1 kilometers an hour um, in a Turbo S um, inside a convention center in New Orleans. Um, And if you actually watch the footage, um, which was shot by the the very talented guys at Tangent Vector uh, in in the U.S., um, and, yeah, it's pretty impressive to watch him do it. He did it on his first pass. Uh, but yeah, it's frightfully quick, uh, and then he, listening, watching it stop as well. It pulls up very quickly as well. So um, yeah, do yourself and have a look at that. But yeah, that's pretty cool to see them to break that record. So you know, we've been talking about the the new e-tron from Audi, and and the Taycan's coming coming soon as well. It's um, yeah. pretty amazing to to see what these new electric cars are capable of. And I think uh, um, old Elon has to keep an eye out because uh, I think the big brands are coming for him. Yeah.
0: And, uh, so we spoke about the Corvette, um, but, uh, there is a bit more to, to, to go with it. So potentially, um, you know, we could be seeing a, a hybrid or even a fully electric Corvette, um, come in a, in a number of years, uh, this is this is interesting, and this is obviously it's been it's been spoken about before, um, especially with it being all-wheel drive. And um, but I think it'd be interesting the with these documents that leaked out, re, re, you know, referring to the feature as it being e all-wheel drive um, and availability for both the Stingray Coupe and the convertible models. Um, so yeah, this is this is interesting, and I think uh, particularly with uh, GM's focus on making. EV vehicles in the, you know, in the future by 2035. I think this is a, a natural sort of progression for for the car, don't you think?
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, they're already talking about that the um, the next Mustang generation, you know, not for another sort of four or five years, will yeah. probably go all electric, which is yeah. weird. I, I don't really understand that. That And I think you kind of need, for, for these models... I know that more places are trying to be all electric moving forward, but um, I I can't see them being, you know, particularly when they're they're talking about maybe as soon as uh, in the next set of couple of years, I can't see it being the only model. I still think you have to run um, uh, a a petrol version uh, and this being an option. Um, But yeah, I'm intrigued to see, you know, where it goes and, and, and what they end up doing with it, but yeah, I don't know whether the performance enthusiasts that love their Corvettes and their Mustangs are ready for it to be an all-electric and that's it. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's going to be going to be interesting, um, and we'll you know we'll have to wait and see <laughs> see what news how that goes. Um, so F one hundred and fifty Raptor. Um, certainly launching onto the scene in an impressive way Um, new redesigned suspension uh, makes it even better for off-road but um, even though we don't get this we see a few imported privately um, here and converted, but man, I, I wish we got these for real. It just looks insane and it has the practicality to to boost with it as well.
1: Yeah, it's impressive, and it's going to have 35 inch BF Goodrich tyres as standard, mm. but you can get 37s <laughs> if you want. Yeah. Um, I reckon we'll see a few of these. The guys like Mustang Motorsport have been importing them personally for people for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other interesting thing is that there's talking that alongside, obviously, the new hot. Bronco that we're going to see, that we're going to see a hotter version of this come with probably a V8 um, at some stage as well, which is going to be called the Raptor R. uh, And the rumours is that it's going to come with the supercharged V8 from the GT500, um, which is obviously going to take it on to the Ram TRX. Um, So yeah, I think that kind of makes things interesting to see what happens there. But um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be um, one of those things that uh, Americans love, the Utes, the F-150 has been pretty popular for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that this will probably sell well, but the Raptor R will be the one to, to keep an eye out for.
0: Yeah, and, you know, even though it's got all this stuff, it still has the different drive modes. So slippery, tow, sport, normal, off-road, Baja and rock crawl um, with each of them adjusting the steering feel transfer case behavior, stability control, active valve exhaust, active dampening system, throttle mapping, and transmission shift points. So I think this is this is very cool. And, um, you know, this is basically the full-on next step to what we see in our, you know, our off-roading focused models that we get down here for the, you know, for the Ranger and the Hilux and um, the, you know, uh, everything basically that we get in the dual-cab ute market, Um So, yeah, it's, it's, I still love when I see one of these and someone's managed to, to, you know, uh, import it, get it converted and, and, and make it the investment because they're not cheap once they go through all of that. But yeah, it's um, certainly have some presence on the road. And again, this one, this new one brings it, brings it through. Yeah, very much so. And staying on the Ford, uh, bit of news Uh, Roush has revealed the most powerful ever Mustang with 775 brake horsepower Um, basically it's a stage 3 modified vehicle and um, yeah this is this is crazy so it's got the 700 over 750 horsepower from the 5 litre supercharged V8, or as Top Gear says, the very supercharged V8. Um, So basically everything, the supercharger has been upgraded along with lots of professional cooling, the bigger rad, auxiliary coolers, heat extracting vents, as well as a new performance exhaust. Uh, Zero to 60 miles per hour, 3.6 seconds, and um, we can do the quarter mile 11.2. Yeah, so this is a pretty... Pretty cool, and um, it, it would also destroy tires in no time. I <laughs> yeah, suspect.
1: Rush have been good at doing um, these great mods for Mustangs for, for yeah. years, and they yeah. create some pretty impressive um, models, and and, and, and pretty some... subtle too. Like yeah. it
0: doesn't it doesn't scream that you're driving something that's you know it's um, you know. Bonkers in terms of modification. And they have the ability
1: to buy different bits from their systems and, and yeah. convert your car accordingly as you want. But yeah, yeah, they do like to build the 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 flood out. Um, you know, I'm no surprise that they've, uh, they've they've created the most powerful Mustang ever. So um, yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, but yeah, the the guys there create some pretty impressive stuff. And um, this thing looks good. The release is obviously a a blue x 550 And yeah, it looks good. It's very subtle in some parts, but still very wild in others.
0: Yeah, and um, best thing of all, it comes with a five-year, 60,000-mile warranty. So that's, uh, you know, if you're tossing up between going the uh, modify-it-yourself route or going through a thing, buying a car with the warranty is going to pay every single time when you're talking heavily modified so yeah that's uh that you know that's great it's very handy Ah, so, uh, anything anything up to? So, obviously, we've got lockdown going on for you, but um, you mentioned a couple
1: of exciting things, potentially, hopefully, seeing some of the tests Yeah, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan and we come out of lockdown on Thursday, I'll be probably heading to the supercars test at Winton on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. So, that'll be good. But um, everything else I kind of had planned for this week is kind of... Um, disappeared unfortunately yeah um, unfortunately yeah it uh, it'll be good to hopefully get up there and, and see that um see a whole bunch of cars on track before they head to bathurst uh, in a week's time uh very exciting
0: well like i said earlier i'm
1: driving the uh the i30
0: sedan active so be a bit of a transition to see how that you know how that goes and it's sort of nice sometimes I, I i usually prefer to go from the base model and work my way up the range but this time sort of jumping backwards to sort of see um you know sometimes it's pointed out a bit faster the things that you do miss from the higher model um so that will be that'll be interesting to see hopefully we have some some good weather go yeah, on, a, on a good drive going
1: the other way too yeah but um but look uh,
0: don't forget um if, uh, if you have any questions for us, whether it's a car you would like us to review, a purchasing question, or even if you wanna know something, um let us know. You can always email us, shows at dailyautofix.com. Uh, you can follow us at Daily Autofix. You can follow Joel at JoelStrickPhoto. Uh, don't forget to subscribe um, through your favourite podcasting app as well as to leave us a review. It's always appreciated and to know that, uh, that you know, you like what we're doing. Um, but as well, uh, thank you, Joel, for, for joining.
1: No worries, Ash. All
0: right, and uh, have a good weekend. Uh, we'll see you all here next time. See you next week. Bye. I'm gonna make